For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Tuesday, Takes on Takes edition of the show. Kyle, are we getting close to like Takes on Takes? Uh, we're in the 60s, the high 60s, I believe. That's a long time. Can I ask you a question, sure. though? It, it almost, almost, I don't want to assume, just sounded like you almost forgot what your name was there on the intro. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I didn't think uh, you were going to notice that, but... Um... You know, it's one of those deals where my mind was a little distracted while I was doing the intro, kind of just uh, sorting some tabs on my computer, you know, <laughs> as we were doing the podcast. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah, and so I well. just kind of coasted through it and, and had to have some moments of, of remembrance, if you will. Very good. I'm you ever see Ben Solak's computer? You ever seen this guy? When he's what a shit show this wow. is. Between Trevor's typing and, and Ben's, you know, it's, I mean, minimum 25 tabs open. At I was going to say, he's probably, on average, has 50, 50 browser tabs open. It's remarkable. I don't know how now, these guys operate. you and I are Mac, uh, Mac Hive, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you know if you click and hold the green button on your browser, yeah. you can auto-split screen your screen and have two browsers oh, up at the same time? Oh, oh. No, I didn't. Every single day, multiple times, because I close all my browsers every time I step around away from the computer. I minimize them and kind of set them up at the sizes that I want. And uh, that you just try this. You just uh, tried it. I, I yeah, I, I, wow. Uh, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so now imagine, I believe you have two monitors, correct? Of course. How, how do you, how you else know, do you, you, work? you can have at least four browsers up simultaneously yeah, and, and not have to like click and drag and resize them and to hell with that. This is this is the way to go. How do you get out of it though? Let me ask you that. No. Uh, you click the green button again. Oh, okay. And yeah. it will diminish that one. Yeah. And then it should swipe over to full screen for the other one, right? Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. I was I did my first scouting report today, Kyle. For the uh, congratulations. Yeah. Who was it? I'm I'm guessing either Marcus Bailey or uh, Dylan Moses. Keep going. <laughs> really? We literally talked about it earlier. Come on now. Today? Yes. Literally within the last three hours on the phone, we talked about this player. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. Having a brain fart. Big time. This is worse than me forgetting my name. Bryce Hall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You like, I mean, Done guys that are injured, there's no more film true. to watch. True, 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 true. Yeah. It is right up today. And I've just been in denial that Bryce Hall's done for the year. Well, it's, uh, it's true. And, and look, I mean, there's a chance he could be ready for testing. Uh, you know, could it, be. Yeah. It's not. It's not the end of the world type thing. Whatever you think Bryce Hall is, that's shouldn't change based on this injury. It's unfortunate, but you know, he's, he's not, he's not dead. Yeah. 
for lack of right. better words. I'm- well, and, and there were a lot of questions when he got hurt. That's like, well, what is this relative to like what happened with Sidney Jones and very different type of injury. And you don't, you don't want to assume what the recovery window looks like, but we've seen some pretty gnarly ankle dislocations yeah. that um, guys like play later in the same year yeah. with like Ronald Darby came back after like eight weeks yeah. and it looked like his foot was going to fall off. So like, Depending on what the ligament issue or ligament damage looks like there, that may or may not be more of a long-term thing. They really haven't established that, but don't panic on prices like Joe, as you said, you know, if, if you liked him, this is not the kind of situation like a Sidney Jones where it takes a while to get the explosiveness back. Yeah. Shouldn't be that type of injury. Gruesome injury, but, but I mean, yes, I mean, this dude's practicing in May for sure with rookie camp. I mean, it's that simple. He should be, he should be. All right, takes on takes, Kyle. You ready? Would you like to have the first one or not? Uh, yes, I would like to have the first one. Okay, good, because you're big. You're a big fan of who have they played? Uh, so, Doctor, just Doctor, the impressive performance from the Pats defense this season can only be taken with a grain of salt because they haven't played anybody good yet. Well, you can only play the teams that are put on your schedule. Joe Marino likes to say that, and uh, I think I saw the the Patriots point differential this season through what they're seven and oh now right yeah uh is greater than the point differential of all the other teams in the afc combined so i don't care who you played if you're outpacing the entire conference with your point differential i think that's impressive oh it's it's impressive but Come on. Like, I just, I don't know. It's the NFL. It's not like you're scheduling softies in, from the FCS. You know what I mean? Like, it's the Right, league, you're not right? playing like Northwestern State University. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm always, I mean, we're seven games into this thing. And they're mowing them down. Mowing them down. So, except for the Bills. Only a one-score game. I might remind everyone. All right, you done? No, I just want we'll to move sure on. We're going to move on? Yeah. Vontel, who holds the claim for the most disappointing this season between the Falcons, Falcons and the Chargers? I like this one. Um, to me, it's the Chargers. Uh, no, no. To me, it's the Falcons. It's the Falcons is the team that's more disappointing. The Chargers, like we sort of started to feel that this wasn't going to work out before the season when Derwin James and Russell Okung, you know, before you can even start the season were in jeopardy in terms of when they're going to play this season and the Melvin Gordon situation. And, you know, the Falcons were a team that, yeah, I mean, they had some issues with those young offensive linemen, Caleb McGarry. He winds up playing week one. I mean, that team, that team is one that doesn't have the excuse level. I think that the chargers do. And I mean, the Falcons just, I mean, I've no, are nowhere near as banged up as the chargers. They're still pretty banged up, but, I, I think I think the, the Falcons are definitely a team this year that I mean we're not talking about blowing up the Chargers coaching staff after this year, are we? We are definitely I mean, based on takes on takes every week, everyone wants Dan Quinn gone. So I think it's Yeah, Falcons. And, it, and he needs to be gone. So I agree with you. It's a good take. Uh Glazers out says with Evan Ingram having drop problems and not being the best blocker, the Giants should trade him if they have a good no. offer. Hashtag looking at you. Pats. No, absolutely not. Um, tight ends. Uh, let's be honest. 
first round tight ends in the NFL this day and age aren't drafted to block. I don't care that Evan Ingram can't block. The drops the last couple of weeks have been frustrating. Um, but he is catching he the ball. Three, Kyle. His three co- drops and 52 targets this year. Yeah, three. Uh, some I, From the drop, I think I saw two drops last week that were both egregious. If, like, had yeah, no business know. dropping them, but it is what it is. And didn't the Giants play in the rain? Uh I Did think the Giants so. play in the his, rain this So, yes, the bowl, he had two of his three drops were, were last week. He had one in week two against the Bills. He has three and 52 catchable targets this year. 34 receptions. And he was, the, like, he was playing without gloves because of the rain this past weekend, I think. So, no. Um, I'm assuming this, this tweet came in after the game. Yeah, on it's, one of, it's one of the more recent ones, yeah. So... I wouldn't let recency bias here kind of ruin Evan Ingram as a talent. And as far as not being the best blocker, the Giants should not be asking him (laughs) to block at all, period. They should not. And if they are going to do so, then they should trade him because they don't deserve him. Uh, Bryce Olsen turned in by Jason Willis. Garoppolo is a bottom of the league quarterback, just on a team with a great defense and run game for what it's worth. Ooh, baiting us into saying bad things about the 49ers, huh? Um, no, I don't think he's a bottom of the league quarterback. I think I think it's a fair question to have about the 49ers and that Jimmy G hasn't had to be the reason why they're winning football games and he's been pretty average, but I mean you're you're coming out pretty bold here and saying that he's uh, a bottom of the league quarterback. I mean, bottom of the league quarterbacks are very different than what we're seeing from Jimmy G. So I'll say bottom Jimmy, of the league quarterback or bottom of the league starting quarterback. He says bottom bottom of the league quarterback, but even if it is starting quarterback. All right. So Jimmy G is a top blank 20, starter in the NFL. Top 20, top 25. So that's a bottom of the league. Bottom of the league. I think even thirds. <laughs> bottom, the bottom third would be 24 to 32. I think he's closer to 20. You just said 20 to 25, which could put him in. Come on, Kyle. We're splitting hairs on that one spot. If I say <sighs> 20 to 25, it's probably closer to 20, but not necessarily above 20. Okay, so he's a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL. He's a middling starting quarterback. He's not a bottom of the league. Bottom of just, the league. Just give me the sound bite I want, and we can move on. No, you're not getting it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not because you've you've paid for the sins, our 49er sins, harder than me, and I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me lumped in, and I'm not going to. Yeah, do it. you're right. You're absolutely right. See, it's funny how that works. I I'm always seem to be the one that pays for our sins on the podcast. Well, I, that was my mistake. We I should not have lumped myself in with some of your takes over the summer. I Likewise. <laughs> See, you're you're trying to sit, tell me the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be any good. You're trying to tell me the Cleveland Browns are going to be good. <laughs> Browns at least have a chance. Yeah. Two and four, Blaker Mayfield most uh, most interceptions per game of any of the 2018 uh, class. So, all right, let's move on. Bryce, oh, oh, we already did that one. Ty Smith, here we go. He wants the dunk. I like this. Ty Smith said this on May third and May thirteenth, and he uh, quote tweeted it and said he nailed it. The 49ers had the best backfield and defensive line in the NFL. I think they have the defensive line in the NFL who's playing the best right now. Yeah. I don't know if they're the most established 
or if you gave me the starting four versus some of the other ones in the NFL that have maybe been doing a little bit longer, there I might lean towards other teams. But with a larger sample size, I think it would be fair to say the 49ers could very easily have the best defensive line in the NFL. Like if you were going to take, you could say you can have any four in the NFL that currently exists on a roster, you'd take 49ers, right? Right now, yeah. yeah. Um, Best backfield, I think they have the deepest backfield. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how you want to define best. I would take a, a an elite talent um, over having three guys that are very good at outside zone concepts. But for what they're asked to do, they've got three guys that can do it at a very high level. So it's good. Take from David Bullen. With Joe Burrow playing so well, do you think he could be another Mitch Trubisky who gets drafted high off of one good season, but will then struggle against pro defenses? Um, I think the parallel of him having one good season does play into the Mitch Trubisky thing, although Joe Burrow at least had two years of experience starting, whereas Mitch didn't even have that. Um, or I think I have more confidence in Burrow than I do Mitch, and I liked Mitch coming out. Um What's really different about what those guys do in college is, you know, Mitch comes from a, a very elementary, basic offense at North Carolina under uh, what was that coach's name? I've already forgot his name. Uh, whoever that coach was, cannot. Fedora. Remember. Yeah, Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora. Very elementary offense with no pro concepts. Where this new passing game that Joe Brady has installed in LSU is all about side adjustments and reading. Uh, reading the defense and you know, running routes based on concepts as opposed to just running routes. So it puts a lot on the football intelligence of not only the receivers for LSU, and but also for Joe Burrow to be able to read that. And he's he's reading it really well. I mean, he's completing a high percentage of his uh, passes and completion percentage. He's at almost like 80%. Yeah. yeah, which is an indicator of understanding of pre-snap reads, why you're going and why you're making certain throws. I mean, it's a, it's an indicator of football intelligence. To me, I think Burrow is definitely, and I, I know it's easy to say right now with the information we have on on Mitch and what we don't know about Joe Burrow, but I think there's reasons to believe based on what I just said that Burrow won't be a guy that immediately struggles to the caliber Trubisky does against pro defenses. Next one here comes from Trevor Joseph. Add the Chicago Bears to the accretion of teams who will be in the 2020 quarterback mix so that Matt Nagy can personally handpick a young signal caller capable of running not just his offense, but an offense in general. Hashtag takes on takes. Hashtag true vocabulary for Joe. All right. So, what does accretion mean? Um, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing the mix, the 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 pool, the the that would be my inventory. assumption. Well, I I I'm not gonna lie. I didn't pre look this one up. So, um, let me tell you what it means. It means right, the process of growth or increase, typically the gradual accumulation of additional layers or matter. Good good usage of the word, Trevor. Uh, I don't know if the Bears actually will, but the Bears absolutely should because Trubisky looks awful. <laughs> um, I the, the This isn't just getting stagnant with Mitch. This, this is straight regression. With him, And we've seen a lot of quarterbacks come into the NFL and then there's some sustained play and then they flatten out and then everybody gets the book on them 
and they can't overcome it and they actually regress. And and that's what we're in danger of beginning to see here with Trubisky in year three. And Joe, you said you were a fan of Trubisky. I was a, a huge fan of Trubisky's potential prior to the 2017 NFL draft. Uh, I had him QB two behind Deshaun Watson, uh, one spot ahead of Deshaun, uh, Patrick Mahomes. So there's going to be some egg on face here, but uh, small sample size, that's kind of the risk that you run. And, and as Trubisky has kind of accumulated the reps required to take the next step, it's become pretty apparent that there's just some – uh, a lack of intrinsic feel, I think, is the best way to put it. Uh, just, just, just not a natural feel for playing the quarterback position. And um, I think Chicago would be very wise to assess this class when you consider the depth of this class. Um, but I don't think they'll actually do that. I, I doubt they would do so two years after drafting or three years after drafting Trubisky. Well, they don't have a first-round pick either. Right. <laughs> and they're kind of on pay. They'll probably finish around 50. Yeah. So what, I mean, the thing is though, really like in the 50 range, there could be somebody interesting, Kyle. Mm-hmm. There could be an Eason. There could be a love. There could be a Jake. I doubt loves there. I'm just throwing names too, out there. I know, but I think love's too toolsy. And that's the kind of quarterback that I would, if I was Chicago, look at. Right, so don't you think – I think that might play into it. It's like, all right, who are we talking about? Who's available in that range? Who do the quarterback needy teams pass on, you know, just based on other needs or, you know, not being completely sold on? That's going to dictate the discussion to me. Or what yeah. What about this conversation of an Andy Dalton-type player to come in? You think Andy Dalton can't come in there and, and, you know, unite with Matt Nagy and be at least 2018 Mitch? Yeah, no question. So I think you could. Yeah, I think Chicago's going to have options, and I think right. it'll be interesting to see what they do because good teams are the ones that don't marry themselves to mistakes for longer than they should, right? And it's very easy mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. Trubisky yeah. does not turn this around this year, it'd be real easy for Chicago to say, well, you know, he was our guy and we picked him, so we're going to stay committed to him. Well, no, don't do that. If he's this bad, you got to bring somebody else in and you got to push him. And he'll either rise to the occasion or he'll fall off. Uh, take from Dion. speaking of draft quarterbacks in 2020. With Jake Fromm's draft stock going down, he will end up in the best situation by being drafted by the Patriots at the end of round one. He gets to learn under Brady for a year. Brady retires, and the Patriots dynasty continues. Oh, I, wow, there's a lot of layers to that. I don't think Jake Fromm's, Jake Fromm seamlessly replaces Tom Brady, and the dynasty continues at the level we know it. But um, I'll say this. I think I think the NFL is going to like Fromm more than maybe some of the uh, draft media is going to. Um, I do recognize some of his limitations in terms of arm, arm talent, and obviously he has been disappointing at times this year. But um, I think he's got the type of makeup that the NFL is looking for. And I'm not – I've said this several times now. I'm not totally convinced he's in this crop of quarterbacks for 2020. I mean, obviously he's eligible, but he's absolutely the type of guy that I can see coming back to Georgia – and not being part of what, you know, is a pretty deep pool of quarterbacks. And I don't think he's in the top tier of them. And so, um, you know, I think that plays into it a little bit. But I, I think that, yes, I think Jake Fromm could definitely be in play for a team like the Patriots or the the Saints or something like that. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's going to make anyone forget about Breeze and Brady, I'll tell you that. 
Next one here comes from Graham Small, who says, hitting the panic button on the Philadelphia defense. Scheme is neither dynamic nor adaptive. Personnel is not NFL caliber. Uh, pass catchers on offense are horrific, crippling an offense in a passing league. Shows why draft success is critical to Super Bowl window. Oh, weird. Somebody just wrote about that at the Draft Network today, didn't they? If I recall correctly. Um, he's actually saying, you said he, he was hitting the panic button on the Philadelphia defense. He's saying he's hitting the panic button on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, team that you and I were both extremely high on coming into the Yeah, game. well, listen, um, <laughs> Jim Schwartz is being real stubborn with this defense, guys. He he knows what he thinks it's supposed to look like, and he's banking on his front seven to get home. And to be quite frank, the the Eagles' pass rush really is not where it needs to be right now for Schwartz to play the kind of st- style of defense that he's trying to play. Uh, the as far as the offense, pass catchers are horrific. They got terrific tight ends. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Nelson Aguilar. Dead man walking this year. Don't want to catch the ball. Nope. Deshaun Watson's hurt, or Deshaun Jackson's hurt. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey looks exceptionally lethargic this year, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, yeah, I think I think there are some some significant flaws with the Philadelphia Eagles roster that I don't necessarily think that they've mortgaged themselves from a draft perspective to be problematic. I just think they've kind of went back to the veteran well a few too many times to try and cover up holes on the roster, right? Uh, because they they drafted a really good player this year in Andre Dillard. But the problem is they didn't quote-unquote need Andre Dillard in a contract or in, in a, in a, a win-now mode when – you could have used that first round pick for somebody who would have had a bigger impact on your roster now. So it's, it's a really delicate balance. Uh, but for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019, they're not playing good football and they are uh, very, I don't see an easy fix for them, Joe. I think they've got to change their philosophy on defense. I'm not, I'm not as concerned with this offense. Uh, the defense under Jim Schwartz and just playing continual cover zero, cover one, leaving bad corners out to dry, focus so much on being plus one in the box that Jim Schwartz is just too married to what he wants to do and not adapting to his personnel. And um, he doesn't have the personnel to run a press-heavy man coverage scheme. And he's getting torched vertically, blunders everywhere in the secondary. And um, congratulations, you're a top 10 run defense, but it doesn't matter. It's it's uh, it's a Jim Schwartz problem and that pains me because, you know, I've talked glowingly about Schwartz in the past, but he's not adapting to his personnel this year. Give me that play action stat you gave me earlier today. Oh God, this is this is crazy. Uh, so here it is. The can pull it up. Uh, the Eagles' defense against play action passes this year. Uh, they're forty-seven of sixty-seven, a seventy percent completion percentage for six hundred thirty-nine yards. That's nine point five yards per attempt. Eight touchdowns. 12% a touchdown percentage, two interceptions, a passer rating against their defense of 127.4, which is 12 points higher than the number one play-action quarterback in the NFL, whose name is Patrick Mahomes, at 115.8. So every quarterback that's faced the Eagles' defense this year is better than Patrick Mahomes at play-action 
against when they're the playing Eagles. The Eagles. It's unbelievable. Just That's unbelievable. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, how often, how many times are you going to continue to leave, you know, Rasul Douglas and Avante Maddox and Orlando Skandrick 1v1 against guys they well, can't run. I don't leave Skandrick alone anymore because they no. cut his ass. Right, but that's what they've been doing, and they're not adjusting. And I remember last year the reports about Malcolm Jenkins kind of having to go back and say, yo, dude, like we can't do this. I don't know. And they man. made it simple, and that's when it and that's when they're they turned the corner. But it was around this time last year when the they kind of had a player intervention that was like, yeah. Jim, cut it down, man. Like, let's simplify this. Well, and Hopefully they make those adjustments after the uh, bye week <laughs> for my purposes. Okay. What's up next here? All right. So this, this is for you. Yeah. This from, one's for me. So Tyrion, good name. Yeah. Tyrion. Yeah. Uh, turned in Neil Driscoll, a Dolphins guy. And I'm presuming that this, this take was, that was turned in by Tyrion is in regards to the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neil says, my expectations are that Tua is one of the five best quarterback prospects ever. That will change a lot, presumably talking about the forecast of things for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I'm certainly focusing on the point here that he makes about Tua being one of the best five quarterbacks ever. And I love Tua, right? He's my QB1. He's been my number one prospect in this draft. I think what even makes it challenging for me to put him in that spot is that he doesn't have great size, he doesn't have great athleticism, and he and he doesn't have a great arm. And so that doesn't make you one of the five best quarterback prospects ever. I love him. I love so many things about him. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. I love his ceiling. There's so many things I love about Tua, but you can't you can't not check those boxes and be a top five quarterback prospect ever. Fair? Well... Who are some of the names? We got Luck, Elway, yeah. are the two that stand out big time. Manning. Oh yeah. All right. Now who's like who's next in line? You know, that's the hard thing for me. I would say two is one of the five best quarterbacks of my career. Comfortably. What is that date range? Six, 16, 15? 14? Uh no, I started 13 was the first year okay. I did any draft stuff, but it wasn't in public space. So 2014 draft was my first year of doing like actual reports and publishing and writing and so on and so forth. That's interesting. That'll be some stuff we write about here in the next six months. Yeah. Let's not ruin the content for the website. Yeah. 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 The folks, Hey Kyle, the folks at Roman, a men's health company are changing the game with Roman swipes. The secret to longer lasting sex, get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Next one's for you here, right, from Christian Conway. Here you go. Let's see what you think about this. This this lines up nicely with the last two it take. Jalen Hurts will go first overall in the draft. No. Take the field always, <laughs> especially here. End of conversation. <laughs> I, but it's fun that it's fun that people are even saying that. Remember, over the summer, the takes were: you think Jalen Hurts gets drafted? Could he be a day two right. guy? And now it's like, can he go number one? It's great. Well, you know, he's coming in and he's balling out exactly the same way Kyler did, and mm-hmm. and the perception. 
We've had a quarterback perceived at the very best as a day three guy in two consecutive drafts come out, ball his ass off, and then get yeah. drafted first overall. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Trubisky came out of nowhere the year before that to get drafted second overall. Yep. 2016 was Wentz and Goff. So we, uh, we've really had three consecutive years now where guys come out of nowhere, come out of left field. And jumped up. I think that guy's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's just playing phenomenal football, as we've talked about a little bit. I think Hertz has a realistic opportunity to go in the first round, especially with how much more receptive the NFL seems to be versus even just a few years ago for college concepts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lincoln Riley is continuing to kind of change the game and you're going to see a bunch of guys trying to steal a bunch of his concepts and bring it to the NFL and Lincoln might come himself. So I think Hertz has a realistic chance to go in the first round. You, you had him mocked first round, right? On your Monday mock. Yeah. I sent him to Tampa Bay. Well, tell me about that. As far as what, what, why, why I gave yeah, him to Tampa you, Bay. Yeah. Um, so thinking about the, the kind and style of defense or of offense that Arians wants to play, right? He wants to push the ball down the field. He he wants to run a lot of deep passing concepts. And I, I kind of looked at Jameis Winston's numbers, Joe, and he's throwing interceptions at a higher rate than any year in his career thus far. <laughs> no risk it, and no biscuit. And he's getting sacked on 10% of his dropbacks this year. <laughs> So you've got a guy who isn't making good decisions with the ball and is getting sacked a ton. And I asked myself, okay, of the available quarterback prospects, who has kind of that, again, it's it's intrinsic feel for the position as far as avoiding the rush and extending plays. I think that's such a big part of successful quarterback play these days. You see Patrick Mahomes does it. Deshaun Watson does it. Russell Wilson does it. Baker Mayfield last year did it. Kyler Murray used that to get drafted first overall this year. The 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 escapability. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is very good maneuvering within the pocket and then getting outside the pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. The more I do this, the more that is a trait for me that I think is a top shelf quality that you have to have. And I look at guys like Justin Herbert, who kind of get a case of the Sam Darnolds and see ghosts in the pocket. Oh. What are you doing, man, by the way? <laughs> did you see, did you hear what Kyle Vannoy had to say about it? I didn't. Uh, I saw Adam Gates wasn't oh, happy, but. my God, dude. I'll I'll finish that thought on Hurts in a second, but Kyle Vannoy, literally, they asked him after the game, they said, what's your reaction to, to like, Sam Darnold was mic'd up for the game today and said he was seeing ghosts on the sideline, and Kyle Vannoy goes, wait, he actually said that? <laughs> And everybody kind of laughed and like he kind of laughed and started to answer the question. He looked back to the guy and he goes, but no, seriously, he actually said that. (laughs) He could not believe that Darnold actually came out and openly said that. And dude, that's a rough one. I I didn't see what Gase had to say about it. So he was very upset about it. He said, I'm really disappointed that ESPN would broadcast that. And we'll, we'll think very hard about allowing our guys to be mic'd up in the future. Oh, yeah. just like Adam, it's always everybody else's fault. Maybe the real problem is that your quarterback's seeing ghost, Adam. 
build in some hots. Um, <laughs> so Jalen Hurts for me was the guy that was available with Burrow and Tua off the board, who I felt had the arm talent to execute a lot of what Arians wants to do, but gives them a little bit of that extended play ability that for as good and as athletic as Justin Herbert is, that's not a natural strength of his. Uh, Jacob Eason, another big-armed kid who I really like, not a natural strength to extend plays and really thrive in those kinds of conditions. So that's why I put Hurts to Tampa Bay. Touche. Uh, Dub G, looking what – is this all one take here? No, that's his Twitter name. Dub G, looking for stick'em for Daniel Jones' hands. That's what his Twitter (laughs) name is. That's his name? Yeah. Gettleman is the reason why Panthers are still competitive without Cam Newton. His drafts before being fired left impact players that win healthy, put out solid productions. Kawan Short, Trey Turner, Shaq Thompson, and Daryl Williams, uh, Vernon Butler, James Bradbury, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Taylor Moten. Those were the examples that he gave with the hashtag hot take, hashtag Dub G's random thought take. That's interesting. Um, I think some of these players are bad players, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, that's there's that. Um, and I think that he's added reasonable players to the mix for sure. Right. Like those are helpful players. I don't sit here and give Dave Gettleman a lot of credit as the reason why the Panthers are successful without Cam Newton. Um, I think Marty Herney's done a really good job with this draft class and this offseason. I mean, in this offseason, he was able to add to the mix Brian Burns. Uh, Matt Paradis, uh, the uh, Bruce Irvin, Trey Boston. I'd argue that that's probably just as meaningful as anything I just said there, combined with last year's draft class that brought DJ Moore to the mix, Dante Jackson. I mean, I'm just spitballing here off the top of my head. I, I don't, I don't know that Dave Gettleman deserves really that much credit. I think he picked some reasonable players. You didn't. You didn't. I don't see Kelvin Benjamin and Star Latoule on the list. Other first round picks that he had, you know. So, I mean, he gets credit for drafting those players, I guess. But I don't. I don't know that that's the reason why. I don't. I think Ron Rivera is a good football coach. And uh, you want to know? You don't want to want to know why the Panthers are good without Cam Newton. I'm anxious to because hear I believe I believe I saw they are second in the NFL in total pressures through this point in the season with 50 which is one behind the New England Patriots. I think they lead the league in sacks too. That's why they're successful without Cam Newton. Jeremy. And they've got dy- and they got a dynamic diverse group of receivers between Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, um Jerry's Wright's their three, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a nice complimentary guy, but the, the Samuel and Moore, they had a vision with what they want their skill players to look like at the wide receiver position and they gave themselves that flexibility. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a Dave Gettleman gets credit in my opinion here. All right, Kyle, last one here. Seth Steer says if Joe Brady stays at LSU, they will continue mm. to be a powerhouse and find themselves in the college football playoffs at least two times in the next five years, including this year. All right. So I'm gonna operate on the assumption right now. This is this is kind of fun. Does LSU need to win the Bama game to get in the college football playoff? <laughs> You know, that's so interesting, Kyle, because if that's their only loss and then they avoid having to play in the SEC right. championship, it might be the right. best thing for. 
Right. Just don't get killed. If they lose by seven points in Tuscaloosa, do they need to win the SEC championship to get in the playoff? Probably not. I think because you, you're you're going to have presumably the winner of LSU Alabama. Mm-hmm. Let's operate in the assumption that Alabama wins at home mm-hmm. for this hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Clemson's probably going to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. They're going to have to beat Wisconsin twice. Or Minnesota. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, Minnesota's I'm good. Minnesota's on a hot one here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, other, the other hurdle is Oklahoma. Right. Who are they going to lose to? Maybe Texas in the championship game. Maybe Texas. Yeah, maybe. What about Baylor? They had to play Baylor too. No. Oh, okay. Well, you just want you just Minnesota, Wisconsin to me. I mean, come on now. Baylor, but here, like, <sighs> can you put LSU over an undefeated conference championship? In the playoff. I think we have to I think right now for the sake of this conversation, we have to operate under the circumstances that Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson are in. So then LSU has to win the championship game. Or has to win. Yeah, they're gonna have to win the SEC championship to get Well, what happens if Alabama goes to the SEC championship game and loses to some loses to Georgia or Florida? Then Alabama will still have the head to head win over LSU. What about one loss Oregon who lost to Auburn? No way. Pound sand, Oregon. Yeah, what about maybe. Notre Dame, who has one loss to Georgia in Athens? I think LSU has to win the Alabama game to get in the college football playoff this year. All right. Once we finish this year, for the sake of Seth's take, he says two times in the next five years, whether that happens this year or not, Joe Burrow leaves. Is it as it does? Does LSU become the new Oklahoma where the offense is just turnkey? Because if the answer is yes, then yes, they will be in the college football playoff twice in the next five years. You think Joe Brady's going to stay? I mean, Joe Brady's on the great trajectory. He co- he played and coached. That's not what was asked. Yes, it is. If Joe Brady it, stays at LSU, Joe Brady stays. So if assuming he stays for five years, will they? Yeah. Will LSU's offense become turnkey, and will they make the playoffs twice in the next five years? You got a tough course in the SEC. I think if he stays, yes, much tougher than Oklahoma. I would, I could buy this take though. LSU consistently recruits well. They do. Joe, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the show. Joe Brady's going to be a lot of good takes in the next two years. Okay, I'm glad you got that out. Thanks. Just like you got that Cleveland Brown shade up out at the beginning of the show. Got the Steelers shade on me. At least my quarterback got hurt. I don't care. Really don't care. Go Niners. <laughs> yeah, let's see if I can doctor up the uh, the audio here and get a, a Joe saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a bottom-tier quarterback. <laughs> That's the goal. We'll see. Thanks for listening, guys. Come back and talk with us again tomorrow at the Joe Marino at Grinding the Tape with your hot takes. Uh, wait. Joe. Okay. Free money Thursdays. I owe somebody money. Did you get it wrong? Oh, Boise State. I told you to Yeah, Boise State screwed me. Why don't you do free money Thursday then? (laughs) 
<laughs> you came up with this on a whim during the show. Yeah, it's true. It's cost you sixty dollars now. It's true. <laughs> I got two bet slips, but only one was from mybookie.ag. Oh yeah. So Patrick Brown, again, two-time winner. Yep, he's just cashing him in. <laughs> Listens to the show, collects twenty bucks every week. It's ter- must be terrific. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> I'll Venmo you. Thanks for listening to Draft Deeds, guys. Come back, see you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.